Well, good morning. It is good to see you all here today. Today, as you know, is the the last, maybe you don't know, it is the last day in our series called The Lord Provides. But as we we enter in today's sermon, we need to acknowledge that um, this has been a really painful week in our nation, has it not? We awoke Monday morning to this gut-wrenching news of yet another mass shooting in our land. Perhaps you, like I, have cried out to the Lord many times this week. Help, Lord. Help those children who are waking up without parents. Help those parents waking up without children. The wives without husbands. The brothers without sisters. Help us, Lord. In the midst of such suffering, some have wondered, I have heard it, can I still believe in a good God? Can I still believe that God provides as we have been proclaiming here for the last four weeks? Can I still believe that? Perhaps today that's not even on your mind. Perhaps you feel like you don't have the capacity to think about other sufferings because your heart is so heavy with your own troubles. Maybe you're in the midst of a difficult job situation or a strained relationship or illness or depression. Maybe you're simply shifting towards a different way of life and you feel lost. And maybe you wonder, where is God in this? Can God provide for me in this season of life? Well, friends, I am here this morning to proclaim to you very, very good news. And it is news of tremendous hope. And that is our God really is good. Our God really can be trusted. And God is providing, even in the midst of heartache and hardships, even when we sometimes feel totally lost. So to guide us in our reflections on these present-day concerns, we're going to turn to a really ancient text, Exodus 16. And this text can guide us well because though the particulars may look different, basic human concerns and behaviors have remained the same. That is, we tend to question God's goodness and ability to provide for us, especially in the midst of suffering. But friends, more human concerns is God and God's unwavering character. And what we learn is that God is always good God can always be trusted, for God is our perfect Heavenly Father who loves to provide for his children, especially when we are in need. So thus it is fitting today that we end our series called God Provides with a famous story of God providing manna for his children in the wilderness. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open to Exodus 16. But before we read, let us pray. Holy Spirit, we ask you to open our minds and our hearts that we may receive your very, very good news to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The word of the Lord from Exodus 16. The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam, and Israel came to the wilderness of Sin which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. 
the whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us. And Moses said, when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quails came down and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather as much of it as each of you needs, an omer to a person, according to the number of persons, all providing for those in their own tents. The Israelites did so, some gathering more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, those who gathered much had nothing left over, and those who gathered little had no shortage. They gathered as much as each of them needed. We'll go this far in the Lord's word today. This is the word of the Lord. In a few minutes, we're going to ask four main questions about this text and questions about our own lives. But before we can get to those questions, we first need to cover a little bit of background to this story to see how it might relate to our lives today. So before this story happened... This miraculous provision of bread in the wilderness. Let's remember that the Lord had just rescued the Israelites out of slavery. If you remember what Pastor Brandon shared last week, the Israelites had this major baby boom. Their population was just exploding. And this made the Egyptians scared. So scared that they enslaved the Israelite people. And this slavery, it was, it was no joke. Scripture says that the Egyptians became ruthless in imposing tasks on the Israelite people. 
So I wonder today, have you ever felt like the boss or company you're working for was ruthless in imposing tasks on you or others? Have you ever felt trapped in an abusive relationship? Well, friends, the Israelites can empathize. Now, if this horrendous slavery wasn't enough, it got worse. The king of Egypt named Pharaoh, he decided to murder all the Israelite baby boys, to kill them as soon as they were born, to throw them in the river. Today, if you have ever grieved the loss of a child, if you have ever grieved over the mass killings of innocent people, the Israelites can empathize. Now, I can't explain to you exactly why God allowed such intense suffering to happen to the Israelites, to us, to so many people across time and space. We know it has a lot to do with the fact that God gives humans free will. And some people use that free will for evil. And that evil has consequences for innocent people, like Israelite babies or hundreds of concert goers this week. But we also know that greater than human evil is the goodness of God. And even amidst suffering, our good God is always with us. Our good God always hears our cries. God said of the Israelites, listen to these words, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry. Indeed, I know their sufferings. God says the same of you and me. I have observed the misery of my people. I have heard their cry. Indeed, I know their sufferings. Brothers and sisters, God is near to us in our pain. As another scripture says, God is near to the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. As the perfect parent that God is, he longs to provide for us at all times and especially in our times of need. And God provided for the Israelites. If you're not familiar with the story, read Exodus 6 through 15 this week. It tells of incredible wonders that the Lord did for his beloved children. He sent ten massive plagues, parted a giant sea, provided a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of cloud by night to guide the Israelites and to protect them on their journey. Can you imagine experiencing these kinds of things? Friends, this stuff was was crazy, and it all pointed to the incredible power of the Lord. The Lord's power that he poured out because of his fierce love for his children. Not only that, but the Lord promised to lead the Israelites to an incredible place. It was a land flowing with milk and honey, a true paradise on earth. So that, that is our background to the text that we read today, Exodus 16. Incredible miracles. Freedom after 400 years of pain and murder and a great promise, a promise of paradise. None of this the Israelites had earned. It was all a free gift of the Lord. Now, under these circumstances, how would you imagine the Israelites to respond from the outside looking in? 
I would think that maybe they'd spend their days dancing and singing and delighting in all that God had done for them and all that God was continuing to do for them. But what did you hear in our text for today? There was one verb that stood out above all the rest. Did you hear it? The whole congregation of the Israelites complained. If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. In other words, Moses and Aaron, why didn't you just leave us there in that place of slavery, in that place of child murder, so at least we could have a nice dinner? That would have been better in my mind. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained. Now, I want to take a minute to talk about the difference between complaining and lamenting. Because as Pastor Brandon explained earlier, lamenting is important. And it's something we have often overlooked in the American church. Which is, I think, a reason why we can be led to complaining. If we don't lament, we often complain. So let me explain a little bit of the difference. Lament expresses our grief and sorrow concerning the deep brokenness in our lives and in our world. We, like the Israelites, need to lament. They lamented in Egypt when they were under this oppression. They cried out to God about this horrendous suffering that they had no power to change. We, in the same way, need to lament things that are deeply broken, like murder and senseless suffering and oppression, as they did too. But lament is different from complaining because lament is a cry to God. It still holds trust in God, and it says, God, you are capable of bringing an end to such brokenness, so we give these cries to you. And lament, it leaves us open to how God might respond to us. Maybe God, in these laments, calls us to action, calls us to make changes that might alleviate some of this suffering. Or perhaps God might just transform the way we think about the situation. It leaves us open to God's leading. But complaining, complaining tries to keep us in control. It says that we know what's best. You should have just left us there. I have a better plan. And complaining, did you hear it? It gets thrown at other people. Just like the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron, not against the Lord. Because if we addressed God with our thoughts, God just might respond. And that moves us out of the seat of control. So complaining, it doesn't express trust in God. The Israelites complaining expressed to Moses and Aaron said that we don't trust for God to provide for us. We don't trust that God can fill our stomachs. Even after all that we've seen that the Lord has done, the parting of a Red Sea, these plagues, all these things, we don't trust God to give us food. So we see there in this story that complaining usually comes from a place of ingratitude, from a lack of awareness of all that God has done and all that God is still providing for us. So to make this really concrete, I'm going to give an example of a prayer that the Israelites might have said instead of what they did. Consider this. What if they had done this instead? Lord, thank you for freeing us. Thank you for leading us out of slavery and into this open space. Right now, we admit we're scared. 
because we have no means of providing food for ourselves. Lord, you have shown us your power. We know you are capable of providing. So we ask you, could you provide food for us here? Do you see the difference? A prayer to the Lord that still proclaims his power and asks for what we need, rather than just complaints to Moses and Aaron about what they think should have happened. And the thing is that the Lord wanted to provide for the Israelites. The Israelites were his children. He had brought them to this place. He wanted to provide for them, but they didn't trust him. And that made them complain. So this makes me wonder about our lives. Are there times that we, like the Israelites, complain? Are there times that we snub our Heavenly Father who has done and continues to do so much for us? Are there times that we get so fretful and worried and complaining even though God has done so much, even though God is with us, that God is providing for us right now in miraculous ways if we just had the eyes to see it? How much do we approach our Heavenly Father like this? I imagine it breaks God's heart, don't you? And well, friends, there's a time and tested cure for complaining. For a heart that lacks trust in God, because we all do, we all get scared. We all tend to lack trust in God at times. But there's a cure, and that cure is gratitude. It's been said that gratitude is one of the greatest indicators of spiritual health. Gratitude is one of the greatest indicators of spiritual health. So I wonder how we are doing with gratitude. And I have to admit, the truth is, gratitude is really hard in our current culture, is it not? We are daily bombarded with news and advertisements that are trying to make us totally dissatisfied with like everything in life. Commercials tell us you are totally incomplete if you don't have this or that new thing. And our news hypes up all the absolute worst things in the world, all the things that you could fear. And it tends to skip over some of those wonderful things, like the countless blessings God provides for us every single day. Like the fact that we are breathing is a sheer gift of the Lord. But the news is never going to tell you that. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it'll shift. But right now, we live in a culture that focuses on the negative. What we don't have sometimes even snubs all that God has graciously provided. We have been doing an apprentice group. Um, for the, we've been meeting for the last few weeks reading this book together. And our last book, chapter was on gratitude. And the author mentioned a sermon illustration that was given decades ago. But I found it really helpful. So I'm going to offer this to you. So he said that a lecturer to business people displayed a sheet of white paper on which was one little black blot. Big white paper, one little black blot. And he asked what they saw. You know what they all answered? A blot. The pastor went on to explain, there is ingratitude in human nature by which we notice the black disfigurement and forget the widespread mercy Perhaps we should try to write down all the blessings of one day, 
We might begin, we could never end. There are not pens or paper enough in all the world. That attempt would remind us of our vast treasure of content. Friends, things like the Las Vegas shooting are blots. They are dark disfigurements of the good life that God intends for us. But if we focus there, we can overlook all the rest. The author of the book went on to explain, this quote is in your bulletin if you want to turn there to follow along. The quote starts like this, God is good, and God is still in control, and God's kingdom is never in trouble. Our troubles are real, but they are small compared to God's widespread mercy. The more we are able to see just how many blessings we have been given, given freely and undeserved, the more we will be able to see that God is out for our good. Friends, like the Israelites, if we remember all that God has done and continues to do for us, we will be able to trust God and trust that God truly is out for our good, even when we can't make sense of the black blots in our lives. So this morning, I want us to get really practical And I want to walk us through four questions that are going to help us in this area of gratitude. So if you don't have your bulletins out now, I encourage you to get those out. And I want you to save those this week. Because right now I'm going to walk us through these. But most importantly, I want you to walk through these on your own later this week. Later today or later in the week. I'm going to give some suggestions of how we might answer these. But the Holy Spirit is going to bring to your mind what God has done for you and is providing for you. So, so do keep this and pay attention. Give yourself at least like 30 minutes sometime this week to do that. And as a note, these questions can be applied to big groups like your family or Heartland Church or the church in America. But for right now, we're just going to walk through how we might answer these questions for our personal lives. Sometimes it's easiest to start there. So our first question, what is it that the Lord has saved you from? The Israelites in our story were obviously saved from slavery and oppression and infant murder. What has the Lord saved you from? Take some notes of the Holy Spirit brings some things to your mind, but... I'm going to give us some suggestions now, too. Maybe you want to write some of these down, if it rings true for you. Many of us would probably skip to the answer. First in our minds would be forgiveness of sins. God has saved me so that I can spend eternity with him. Amen, right? Amen. God has brought us out of a great Egypt, a great bondage. May we never stop giving thanks for that. So I hope you do give thanks for that. But I also encourage you to dig deeper. Dig really deep. Also think about the many everyday things that God has saved you from, that God continues to save you from. Maybe it's a former addiction. Maybe it's an abusive relationship. Maybe it's a destructive way of thinking, like self-loathing on one extreme or pride on the other. Maybe it's loneliness or lack of purpose. Remember back in your life where you were and where God has brought you now. 
Sometimes when we've been on the Christian journey for a while, we can tend to take the Lord for granted. But it's helpful to remember where we've been. So let us remember and give thanks. So second, what is it that the Lord is providing for you now? After bringing the Israelites out of Egypt, God continues to provide for their journey to the promised land. God provides his presence, his protection, and food, just to name a few. So what is God providing for you in your journey in life? Maybe you'll think of a community that helps you and supports you grow. Maybe it's this community that you are here right now. Maybe it's a good book you're reading or a Bible study. But I encourage you to not forget the very real physical ways God provides. Just as God provided manna in the, for the Israelites, let's not overlook that. This is an area that the American church can often overlook. Because we are so incredibly rich that we take for granted the very real ways God provides for our physical lives. Like food. Weekly communion can help us in this area. It helps us foster gratitude for God's physical provisions. God provides us God's word, and God provides us the things that sustain us physically. God provides for our body and soul. So maybe we remember that when we come to the table, that all we have is a gift of the Lord. So spend some time this week. See if you can list out as many blessings as you can think of. And that brings us to our third question. What is it that the Lord is teaching you? So in the wilderness, the Lord taught the Israelites a lot. So first, as we just mentioned, they learned that everything comes from the hand of the Lord, that it is all a gracious gift. So they learned to trust that God would provide. They also learned an important note that was different from Egypt. And that is that God would provide enough for everyone, so they didn't need to hoard. You see, in Egypt, where they had been for hundreds of years, it was really common for the wealthy to hoard a lot while the poor with, went without. And so that's probably the way that they were thinking when this food comes down. I need to take as much as I can, as fast as I can, so that I have enough. Because that's what they saw in Egypt. But God teaches them a different way. Take just as much as you need, no more, no less, and when you do this, there's going to be just enough for everyone. No one's going to go short. Perhaps that might be a lesson that God is trying to teach us today, too. What else might the Lord be teaching you in this phase of your life? If you feel like you're in a wilderness season, I encourage you especially to pay attention. Because wilderness times are the times that we will learn the most. Perhaps God is teaching you to trust him or to learn to ask for help or to learn to lament as we did earlier. Ask God what he is having you learn. And finally, what is it that the Lord is leading you to? The Lord was leading the Israelites to a glorious land flowing with milk and honey, a paradise on earth, but it took them a little while to get there. To be exact, it took 40 years, and this was supposed to be a three-day journey. Somehow, three days turned into 40 years. Perhaps they needed a lot of time to learn. I know I do. It takes me a long time. Sometimes our journeys feel longer than we'd like, 
But friends, let us have hope and let us have trust that the Lord is doing something in our lives and that the Lord is leading us somewhere. The Lord has plans for us that are much greater than we have. Let us not say, let us go back to Egypt. Let us trust that God is guiding us somewhere much better and trust in the journey. Because one day the Lord will finally bring us to the fullness of God's glorious kingdom. And there, there will be no more shootings or oppression or suffering or cancer of any kind. But until we get there, this side of that eternal promised land, God is daily leading us out of our own personal Egypts. Out of our bondages to behaviors and mindsets that keep us from the love and joy and peace and trust in God that God desires for us. So let us not lose hope. Because the best news of all is that all along the way, no matter what we face, God is with us. God is for our good, and God always provides. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word that speaks into our lives, no matter where we are, no matter what we're facing. Thank you for this word today. May we trust in you that you truly are good, that you truly do provide. You are a heavenly father who loves us more than we could ever imagine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Christ for seven days. It's been serving this function since the earliest church after Jesus rose and ascended. The church met every Sunday and they partook of the Lord's meal, their weekly manna, filling them with Christ, mind, body, and soul. It sustains us because